Welcome again to Waters Church, and if you have a Bible, let's go to Acts chapter 1, and in, put your finger at Acts chapter 1, and then John chapter 1. So both of those passages of Scripture we'll be referencing very shortly, and we're going to talk about the last and final part of this series. We've been in this wonderful series. I've truly enjoyed preaching this. I, I hope and trust that you have truly enjoyed hearing and receiving this. God's game plan for your life, that, that God wants you saved, healed, set free, equipped, and empowered. And all five of these messages, look, some of you need to get the DVD and listen to them again, or go online. We have a brand new watch page where you can watch previous messages going back as far as, I believe, last October. That is now available on our website northattaboro.waterschurch.org. So that's there for your equipping and empowerment. And, and we're going to continue and finish up, actually we're going to finish up this series, God's Game Plan. God wants you, number five, God wants you to live empowered. Somebody say empowered. God wants your life empowered by Him. Not just doing it on your own. Not just making it barely through life, scraping by. I get a lot of this as a pastor. I get a lot of people say this. I, I get people come on Sunday, they say, church arrived just in time because I am out of gas. And I hear that and I feel that. But did you know that God never wants you running on empty? He wants you full all the time. And if you're relying on Sunday morning to be the only source of God's empowerment. You are missing out on what I like to call 24-hour-a-day power in the Lord Jesus Christ because it's available to you. And this is the truth of Scripture. And so I'm going to give you three ways, the, the, the three steps that you got to make to live with the power of God in your life and, and not just get, barely get through, but to truly live an empowered life in Jesus Christ. How many of you are interested in that? Amen. When, while we go to those passages in Acts 1 and John 1, we want to say a welcome to our Easton campus watching by video. Welcome to you guys over there, everybody in North Attleboro. Let's give them a big hand. Welcome them in. All right, so how do you get empowered? Number one, this is how you live a life of power in, in Christ. Number one, receive Jesus. Receive Jesus. Now, I asked you to turn to John chapter 1, but we're going to have to go to the screens uh, for, for, the, for a better translation of John chapter 1, verse 12. It's from the King James Version. I know the King James Version, very hard to read. In fact, if, if you're a new believer, if you're a new Christian and you're trying to get through the King James with all the these, the thous, and the Fs at the end of every word... I would suggest get a new translation. But for study and for real digging deep into the word, the King James is very reliable. So sometimes we got to go there to find out what the, what the better translation is sometimes. So King James Version, John chapter 1, verse 12, here's what it says. It says, but as many as received him, who's him? Jesus. But as many as received him, to them he gave power. To them he gave, say it. To them he gave, power. say it with power. To them he gave, power. ooh, all right. He gave power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. God knows you need power. And God came and sent Jesus. 
Or God came in Jesus, or Jesus is God, and, and God the Father sent the Son, Jesus, to give you power. But you must receive Jesus to get the power. Now, this idea of receive Jesus is unfortunately misunderstood by many, many, many Christians today. Because we, we have um, this idea that receiving Jesus is to acknowledge that Jesus came. No, that's, that's not receiving Jesus. Or this idea to receive Jesus is to believe that Jesus lived. That's not receiving Jesus. Or to just pray a prayer, put my hand up, say amen, and that's it, move on with my life. That's not receiving Jesus. In fact, we have a very bad phrase that we throw around in the church, and by the church, not this church only, but in the big C church, that we get uh, sung about, it's, it's said many times, it's a bad phrase about receiving Jesus. Here's what we say. We say, there's a God-shaped hole in your heart that only Christ can fill. How many of you have heard that? You, I, I've heard a song sung about that. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And, da, 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 da. and Jesus is the only way to fill that, that little tiny hole. Here's why I think that, that definition is woefully inadequate to what receiving Jesus means. It implies that your heart is 90% okay. And that the 10% that is not okay, well, that's just Jesus' part. And you just give Jesus that part of your heart and you're fine. And the truth of the matter is, according to the scripture, that statement is not biblical. We are not 90% okay without Jesus. We were 100% wrong. We were 100% lost. We were 100% undone. We sing an old song in the church. It's called Amazing Grace. We all know the words of this song. Let me ask you what this next word is. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a like me. If you thought you were okay and Jesus is just the icing on the cake of your life, you have yet to receive the reality of the Lordship of Jesus in your heart. Because you were not 90% okay. You were, according to, the, to, according to the song and according to the scriptures, you were wretched. You were bad. And you needed God, not just to come and fix you up, but to totally renovate your house. It's extreme makeover Jesus edition. That he doesn't come into your house and say, okay, there's some mold there. Let me spray that with some Lysol. And there's some crumbs there. And let me sweep that up with a vacuum cleaner. And your linoleum is a little dirty. Let me get some Swiffer action on it. It is, let's destroy this thing because it was going nowhere anyway. And let's build it again from the ground up. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone. The new has come. So to receive Jesus is to not just make a place for him in your life. Too many Christians do that. I want to make a place for Jesus. I want to fit Jesus in somehow. I'm very, very busy, Pastor. I'm very, very busy, but I'll give God Sunday morning. Not interested. He wants everything. In fact, Jesus, you know, he would draw huge crowds because he healed people. And then he would thin the crowd very quickly. <laughs> And he would say things like, unless you deny yourself and take up your cross, you can't be my disciple. So as much as Jesus draw, drew huge crowds, he also chased them away with the people who just wanted Jesus for what they could give him, give them. And he would say this, I need all of you. I want 
the whole thing. Give me it all. I, I'm not interested in self-help. I'm not interested in being just a little spice of life. I'm not interested in being your gateway to heaven. I'm interested in being Lord of all. Somebody once wisely put it like this. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. I told you last week that I prayed a prayer with my kids to receive Christ into their heart. And I did what you guys do. I say, you know, receive Jesus into your heart and he'll come and he'll forgive you of your sins. And I, I prayed that prayer. I believe that, that they got saved. I believe that's true. What they did was really genuine. And I told you this last week that I asked them, how do you guys feel? And Olivia said, I feel great. And Connor said, my bum hurts. I told you that last week. I love it when a joke works twice in a row. Okay, I'll be telling that next week too. But nonetheless, then, um, you know, Connor, he's very analytical. Very analytical. He's got to wrap his mind around what he does. And I love that about him. And uh, he came to me. We were praying one night a few weeks later in his bed, and we were praying right before he goes to sleep, as we do usually every night I tuck them in. And he said, Dad, I got a question. I said, yeah. He said, uh, isn't God everywhere? And I said, yeah, he's everywhere. And at this point, I was bursting with pride at my son's theology <laughs> at seven years old. He said, well, that, doesn't that make God the biggest thing in the universe? I said, yeah, it makes him big, bigger than anything. He said, well, how does God, who's so big, fit into our hearts? And my seven-year-old son stumped me theologically. I scratched my head. I said, he doesn't fit into our hearts. The reality is we fit into him. It, it's not Jesus, come and just be a part of my life. It is Jesus, I, have, I want to be part of what you're doing in the world. In fact, if you, want to be, if you want to live a big life, stop asking God to fix up your life and fix up your world and start asking God to use you to fix up his world. Because it's his. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, listen to this phrase. I, this is so important for America today. It says, for by him and through him, all things were created by him and for him. All things were created for Jesus. It, that, doesn't mean, that means that it, all things were not created for you. So receiving Jesus is saying, Jesus, I give you all of my life. I surrender and I yield control of my existence to your plan and your purpose for me. And I deny myself and I say, Lord Jesus, be Lord of all. So let me ask you a question. When you receive something, Who's in control of that gift exchange moment? When someone gives a gift, who's in control? The receiver or the giver? The giver. The giver decides how much he's going to spend, what he's going to buy, when he's going to buy it, when he's going to give it. The, all the control goes to the giver. All of us men know this because when we bought that diamond ring for our sweet lady, we decided what cut we were going to get, what color, what quality, whether it's AA, ZZ, BB, whatever it is. And we were going to... Uh, discover it's been a long time for me so i don't remember but how much we were going to spend and then we decide 
how we were going to go about giving it and in what way we were going to do it and the story was going to be and were we going to do it on the big screen at the Jumbotron at Gillette Stadium or, or what were we going to do to make this special moment for our special lady and every man knows the irony of that moment because that's the last moment that you were in control. Right? You gave the ring, that was it, then you suddenly appeared at the altar six months later. What the heck happened here? I don't know how I got, but I do. I guess I do. I mean, that was, that's it. But, but up to that moment, the giver is in charge of the, the gift. And so when you receive Jesus, it's the same way. You have to surrender. You have to say, God, you're in charge now. And that's what it means to receive Jesus. Have you done that? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered your future, your job, your money, your friends, what you do with your time? Or are you still calling the shots and asking God to bless that? Because he might not be interested in blessing that. He might be interested in eliminating that. And leading you in a whole new different direction. This is why many people, you know, they, they come to faith in Jesus. They ask him to be Lord. And five years down the road, they're looking at their lives and they're saying, I, I thought that following Jesus was supposed to make my life easier. I thought, I thought that following Jesus was going to lead me someplace nice. I, I thought that Jesus was going to fix things up. And the reality is sometimes when, when we come to faith in Jesus and we say, Jesus, be Lord, he does this funny little thing. He actually becomes Lord. And he starts leading us in a direction many times completely contrary to where we want to go. And so we'll get five years down the road and we'll say, God, what happened here? And he'll say to us, if we're listening, he'll say, did you ask me to be Lord or did you ask me to be advisor? Because I'm not interested in being advisor. I'm interested in being master and savior of your life. And I'm interested in leading you to where you belong and where you need to go. Receive Jesus. Surrender. Secondly, receive the Holy Spirit. If you want to receive power in your life, you got to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1. Now I had to turn there. Let's look at this verse. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Many Christians have a problem witnessing for Jesus. The reason why is because they have yet to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Let me illustrate how this happens. Remember Peter's story? Peter brash, Peter outspoken, Peter, you know, the guy with all the answers, and, and really none of them were right, except a few. And, and the Bible says Jesus gets arrested Peter tries to cut off the, the high priest's servant's ear. That doesn't work. Jesus says, put your sword away. Fixes up the ear with the, of the servant. Goes to the cross. Gets judged. Gets condemned to die. Peter's cowering. The Bible says he's cowering by a fire. A little girl comes up to him and says, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? Peter says, no, no, mm -mm, not me. No, 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 no. I'm not with that guy. A few minutes later, another person asks, are you with him? No, I'm not. Another word, no, I'm not. Three times, Peter denies he knows Jesus. Why? Because Peter doesn't want to die. Very simple. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit comes on 
the disciples, the, 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 the 120 that were in that upper room, and they received this, uh, this power, and they, some of them spoke in tongues, and, and they started to declare the, the glory of God, and people gathered around and heard them. The, 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 the term for upper room, many people believe that was the temple. They were actually in the temple, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says that Peter stands up, and he starts preaching with power and authority, boldness that he never had before. The same guy who just a couple of weeks earlier had denied that he knew Jesus in his darkest moments and totally blew it, now stands up in front of the very same people who crucified Jesus and said, I've got news for you. You, with your wicked hands, crucified the Lord of glory, but God has raised him from the dead and seated him at the right-hand side of God the Father. And the Bible says they don't try to kill Peter. They were cut to the heart and they said, what do we need to do to be saved? And 3,000 people get saved because Peter was changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's available to you. Now, I want you to do something with me for a moment. I want you to get out of your denominational teaching. And whatever your church background is, and I want you to take a journey with me through the scriptures, because at the end of the day, the scriptures are our authority for how God works in the world. So I'm just going to share with you scripture and you be the judge. What's the deal with the Holy Spirit? Because I believe that you need to receive the Holy Spirit after you receive Jesus. It could be two seconds after. It could be 20 years after. But you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 14. You don't have to turn there. We'll look up on the screen. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. These were people who received the gospel. They received Jesus. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Did you know that you can receive Jesus? You can be baptized in water here on our stage. You can come through all those things, go to our classes, attend Sunday morning, and still not have the true and full touch of the Holy Spirit upon your life. It can happen later, and it does happen after. Because it's right here in the Bible. I'm not saying something that's not in the Bible. So then there says this. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. These were Christians. These were people who knew Jesus. But that's not the only place this happens. Let's look again at Acts chapter 19. Here's what it says. Acts chapter 19, again, the same thing. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some, what's the next word? There he found some, these are Christians. He found some Christians and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. In fact, we have not even heard. There is a Holy Spirit. Some of you were raised in a church just like that. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. 
I've received Jesus. I've been baptized. I didn't know about that. And then the Bible says that he placed his hands on them and prayed for them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Later on in the verse, it says that they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Now, let's get the elephant in the room out of the room. Because as soon as a preacher mentions tongues, antennae go up. What's the deal with tongues? Uh, Pastor Tim, is this one of those churches that asks everybody to speak in tongues? Do I believe that everybody's supposed to speak in tongues? No, I don't believe that. I believe that everybody should receive the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that it happens in every way in which that you then speak in tongues. I do believe that happens. And the Bible says, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. So I can't stop that, and I don't want to stop that. I believe that's a wonderful act of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but it's just one of many things the Holy Spirit comes to give us. The Holy Spirit, first off, did you know, wants to give you boldness. As you walk out of this room, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're confident in who you are in Christ, and you're not afraid to tell other people about Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. But there are entire movements, listen to me, and I say this in love, there are entire movements that make the whole thing all about tongues. And I respect them, but I disagree with them. Because I truly believe that sometimes God uses the Holy Spirit in your life to be bold, mostly, but to share your faith, to have faith, to work miracles, to uh, heal people. You can look them up for yourself. In 1 Corinthians 12, there are nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, power is one of them. Uh, uh, gifts of healing, faith to believe in spite of overwhelming odds, to believe God for something great. God does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to get caught up in tongues and all that kind of stuff and what is God going to do when I receive the Holy Spirit. I just want you to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit in your life and let God do whatever He wants to do with your life so that you can be empowered in the Holy Spirit. So receive Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. Again, it's about surrender. Because we can get like this. Well, God, I want your Holy Spirit, but I would like it without all that stuff. You know, all that stuff I've seen on television, on Nightline. Yeah, yeah. Nightline's really reliable, by the way. For, especially when they report on Christianity. Yeah, they're, they're down the line. There's no bias there. I mean, they're True to what they say. And so we'll see something freaky deaky, you know, on Nightline or on 2020, and we'll say, I don't want that. And, and listen to me. Yes, there are excesses, but here's what I am asking you to do, Waters Church North Attleboro. Do not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Just because there's excesses doesn't mean that it's not necessary. And I think, here's what I think. I want you to, let me just say something that's, that's in my heart. Don't you think that the devil hates it when you're empowered with the Holy Spirit? And if I was the devil and I was seeing people get baptized in the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit, I would do everything in my power to make it seem odd, crazy, freaky, out of whack, and nuts 
to everybody else in the church. That would be my strategy. Guess what he's done? <laughs> that Exactly that. And so you need to hear me this morning. Some of you have got very little spiritual power in your life because you have yet to receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going to end this service in just a moment asking the Holy Spirit to come into you and empower you to be the people of God, bold and unashamed, and anointed to do God's work in North Attleboro, Attleboro, and beyond because this nation needs Jesus. It needs Jesus. The third thing you need to do, you need to receive spiritual authority. Receive Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive spiritual authority. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me. Now, if Jesus said I needed somebody to give authority to me, guess what? You need somebody to give authority to you. And you need to be under authority to receive authority. I am a pastor. I'm also a teacher, and I understand that my role in this church is to be a spiritual authority in this church. Now, that word authority throws us for a loop. What do you mean by that? I don't want you controlling my mind. I don't want you controlling my thoughts. I am not interested in that. I'm a spiritual authority, meaning, here, here, here's what authority means. What does it say? What does it say on, on, um, on every police car in America? It's stamped across the side of every police car in America. It says what? To protect and to serve. They are our authorities, and they are there to protect us and to serve us. That's what a pastor is there for. That's what elders are there for, to protect us and to serve us. And there are many Christians who, do not, who never get under spiritual authority. They never get under a covering. They never, they never submit to the authority of pastors and elders because we're Americans. And we're, we're independent and, and we pride ourselves on being free. And so nobody's going to tell me what to do. And we go wherever we want and we, we leave churches over silly things and we do whatever we want and we act like we're, we're a law unto ourselves and consequently we have no spiritual authority in our lives. And our kids are watching us, by the way, parents. And if your kid is watching you jump from church to church and teacher to teacher and never submitting yourself to any kind of Christian authority you will not have authority over them that's why one of the qualifications of a pastor is to have charge over his house according to titus chapter one if there's no authority in my house it's obvious i have not got authority let me be honest with you i've got authority over me in this church i have elders in this church who i submit to i don't just push things through i don't just ramrod my way through this church i am under authority and my authority is up in Norwood too. Pastor God, he is my spiritual authority. I am not allowed to be a rogue agent of the kingdom of God. So, so too are you. Now, here's what many people don't realize. To protect and to serve means that some people are bad for you. Now, I say this with complete humility and hear my heart. That I have had to, over the course of my time here as this, as this church's pastor, I have had to ask three people on three different occasions to leave. I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it to protect the church because they were bad for the church. And so I had to ask them to leave and they left. 
And every time they left, our church exploded with growth. And so some of you say, well, that doesn't sound very loving. I thought we were the church for everybody, and we are. But here's the deal. Imagine with me, the police show up at your house one day, and they knock on your door, and you answer the door. They say, I, we just want to let you know that uh, in your neighborhood, there was a guy robbing houses. In fact, he robbed five houses, but we've caught him, and we locked him up in jail. We just want to let you know you're safe, should you hear anything. Would you then turn to the officer and say, well... That's not very loving. We, we want to be the neighborhood for everybody. And just because he wants to rob house, I mean, why should we hawk him? You would never do that. That's the job of the authority, though, to protect you from people who break the law. And by the way, just so you know, when you become a lawbreaker, their job now is to protect other people from you. So when you run the red light, they say, I'm sorry, there's kids that cross this street and there's families that cross the street and you're breaking the law and you're a danger. Here's the fine. So you can't run the red light and then smack the wheel when you get pulled over and say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? You broke the law and you deserve to be punished. But there is such a thing as authority. And if Jesus had authority over him, here's what Jesus says. Listen, listen to what Jesus said in, in John chapter 5, verse 19. He said, I tell you the truth, the son, that's me, that's Jesus, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. What does Jesus say? He's saying, I have authority over me. That I have someone that is giving me permission to do and not do. And Jesus' power flowed through a submissive spirit. So you receive Jesus. You receive the Holy Spirit. You receive spiritual authority and you live in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You say, well, boil that down and be the whole spiritual authority thing, Pastor. Here's what it is. Become a member of Waters Church. Don't be a spectator anymore. Say, this is my family. This is my covering. This is my house of faith. I'll support it. I'll submit to its leadership. I'll listen to it, and I won't let somebody just come and tease me away from it. I'm going to go with it. Come hell or high water, I'm supporting the family of God that God has blessed me with. When you do that, listen very carefully. When you do that, you walk in spiritual authority. I want you to stand with me this morning. Now, I believe that there are many people here today. You've received Jesus, but you have yet to receive the Holy Spirit. And if you're interested now in receiving the Holy Spirit, we're going to have an altar call. We're going to have an old-fashioned altar call. We're going to pray for you that you will receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe you received the Holy Spirit a long time ago, but you've got to be honest with me, and you've got to say, Pastor, I need God to touch me again. I, I really need the touch of the Lord in my life. Without any hesitancy this morning, I, I, I believe that something good is going to happen as you come and you surrender to the Holy Spirit. And many of you need to do this. Don't resist. Don't be stubborn. Don't let anybody else dictate this decision for you. You come and you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit.
He wants to touch your life. Would you come now? Would you come now? Just step on out and receive the Holy Spirit in your life. I believe many, many people, many, many people, many people today, let God touch you today. He's not going to make you do something weird. Don't worry about that. He doesn't come to make you weird. He comes to make you powerful. Not abnormal. And if anything, more normal. God's idea of normal. Not, not the world's idea of normal. Come on up. Come on up. Uh, stretch all the way to the front. We're going to have people. There's a prayer team. These are people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that they will touch you and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, I had a lady come today in the first service. She, she, she had never been in a service like this. And she walked up and she was prayed for. And it was very quick, very short, nothing real, you know, spectacular, spectacular happened. She walked back to her seat. She came up to me after the service. I didn't pray for her. One of our prayer team did. And she said, I can't explain it. Something's different. I feel something different in my life. I said, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop living a defeated life, Christian. Stop going up and down with the waves of the sea, uh, tossed along by every wind of teaching, upset by the news, depressed by your family, uh, worried and anxious about your future. It's time to live empowered by God so that you can have the anointing that God wants to give you. Would you just in a moment of time right here, just be prayerful if you haven't come to the front. I'm not going to dismiss you for a moment. I believe we need to let the Holy Spirit minister to people's lives. And we're going to pray and ask God to touch those of you who have come. Prayer team, go ahead. We'll sing a song.